here, boys and girls. Welcome to this pollen-filled day in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> we sound a little stuffy. Blame the Santa Ana winds or whatever the hell's going on here. Uh-huh. This week, taking a break from Hello Can We Go because mm-hmm. one a new film just hit HBO Max that we had seen in theaters thanks to Omicron. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Yes, and we had reviewed 1947's Nightmare Alley on our only solo episode, sadly, whatever yeah. that happened, um, because we loved the original one so much. So we've been looking forward to this movie for a long time. You actually, and we love Guillermo del You did a great job on the solo episode. I was very sick. You, I was dry heaving. Right. I, it felt and like now a, we're talking about pollen. Come on, dude. <laughs> the worst part about dry heaving is it feels like you did like 2,000 crunches. This is so appropriate for the movie at hand. <laughs> and No, it really is. And yes, that's true. Um, okay, so you were a big fan of 1941. The world's biggest fan, yes. How does it compare? Right off, right off the well, bat. Like, no, right, okay. And you have still not seen the original one, so you're coming into this fresh. I'm fresh, fresh. And Right, and I'm excited, And you are also a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro. Okay, so yes. that, I was just setting a table where we were coming at from. Um, I was rooting so hard for this movie, um, because there, you know, the, I'm not a reboot, remake, or are gonna fail kind of person. Obviously, that's dumb. Anyone who's seen the thing right. knows that that's a dumb argument, right? So, um, and if anyone could do it, it would be Guillermo, who clearly loves the original movie even more than I do, right? Um, but it, it, it's not even close. It's, it's an atrocity, honestly. Um, and and I'm, I'm in comparison to the original, if the original didn't exist, if I was just dealing with this as a movie at hand, it's a pretty damn good movie, but compared to the original, it's a disaster. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that. Well, it's interesting because before you came over, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wanted to see if there was like any articles about it Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Del Toro himself said that this is a big departure. He compared it to Crimson Peak, where people were expecting a horror movie, but it was a gothic romance. Right. Especially with the title like Nightmare Alley with sure. Guillermo Del Toro's name attached to it. Yep. You expect, you know, a lot of so, creatures. So is he saying, are you, you're telling me that he's he's saying people expect it from him, not from the source material. Yes. He's not saying that there were Nightmare Alley fans and he's doing a change up on the Nightmare Alley fans. He's saying there's Guillermo del Toro. With his name There's attached. an expectation for what he'll deliver. Creatures, right, monsters. Right. And, right, okay. And, and clearly because this is the world's greatest horror noir and he's not known for that, he's predicting that fans would... Uh, right, okay, that makes sense. That's so, not why I hate it, but, that's, but that does make sense. Well, it's interesting because I didn't <laughs> like Crimson Peak at first. Mm-hmm. And then we rewatched it. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if like a little... You know, is this a grower? Yeah. Right. Well, everyone didn't really like the movie last night. Right, right, correct. <laughs> but there was a lot. I'll be honest with you, man. Like there, so this I, is what I want to hear. I get why you guys didn't like it, and I'm sure I'm not sure. I'm well, sold on. I it. have a whole different reason for not liking it than the other two people don't. Well, like. Alex, they didn't like it because they thought it was slow and boring and bad. They thought it was yeah. They well, they thought the dialogue was right. was pretty bad. Like right. life, corny or life happened to me. You're like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> right. uh, there were some things on there that. Because everyone was talking about, like, oh, this is bad, this is bad. I'm sitting there like, there were some things I kind of liked about it. So there was two times in the movie. I thought the atmosphere, you know, at me and atmosphere. The atmosphere of this movie is I know spot on. Can we talk about this just real quick before you tell us both of the things? Because I knew this was going to happen to you. I knew it was going to happen right. to you before we watched it. Because 
The thing about the original Nightmare Alley is it's there aren't a lot of noir set in carnival settings, right? Uh-huh. They're they're all big city, you know, crime kind of looking like concrete jungles looking kind of imagery, right? So, but the atmosphere in the original is like David Lynch esque, but it's in a it's in a normal movie, so you don't notice it. But it feels like Carnival of Souls ish. It has yeah. its own really unique atmosphere, and he does that in here. So that part of this movie is awesome. <laughs> yes, right. So I knew you were gonna love that part because when do you get that kind of vibe from Hollywood? A big budget adult movie with a great cast looking amazing set in this kind of setting you never see these visuals so it's a unique opportunity it's a unique world and i was like i know nick is gonna love being in this unique world right so good that I, that i dug right um the sound design and this ties into the to the atmosphere i thought the sound design was really well done especially like yeah. anytime uh carl i was talking about his, his dad's watch yeah you would start you slowly would hear like this so good. Tick start to fade in, and then and fade in, fade out, fade out. They did it. I think there was two moments in the movie where they did that. Um, but also the uh, the the sound design of like the um, the rain. Yep. And the snow. There was so there was two moments where I closed my eyes and I just listened uh, to like how the movie sounded. Yeah. Right. Because I I thought it was shock rate, but I so the first time I closed my eyes was when Bradley Cooper was in. Um, uh, Tony Collette's like little house uh, the day after they did their first thing. Okay. And it's, it's like super well lit in the house, but yep. then outside it's just downpouring rain. And this, the way it just sounds <laughs> is yep. real. Re- it's re- relaxing. Totally. I, I was like, Oh my God, this is so great. And then the second, well, before I get to the second part, mm-hmm. you and I both, and we, I didn't say this, but you mentioned it. And I was like, it's so crazy. I thought the same thing. We both, had Batman return feels mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Where did you get your Batman oh, return? I, I don't. I don't remember now. <laughs> I remember it happened because I know exactly where. Mine where was yours? Maybe it'll spark. My it was memory. in my second part where I closed my eyes and just listened to it. Okay, to the movie, and I thought it was great. It was when Tony Collette was giving Bradley Cooper's character, um, which she was uh, getting all the information. From. I forget what she called her, uh, her little thing when she was having him lie down and and talk. Oh, about okay. When she was doing. Okay, got it. Right. Yeah, she was doing therapy. She, yeah, she was given like a therapy session right. and uh, just very in and out of the scene. You hear like the howling of the wind That's and like right. the snow falling. Right. And there's actually a sound design part. That's an amazing scene. There's a sound design part in the movie that I, I thought was actually genius. So it was she was asking him questions about his father and, mm-hmm. and his life and sort of picking mm-hmm. his brains apart. Mm hmm. And then there's there's a moment where she asks him a question that he doesn't want to answer because it's sort mm-hmm. of like the moment where she she has she has her hooks like in his mind mm-hmm. and it just goes completely silent mm-hmm. and then boom the sound comes right back and then that's when Bradley Cooper's character starts freaking out and be like I don't want to talk about this I don't want to yeah. do this and that it reminded me a lot of the teacup stuff in Get Out yeah how, yeah how it felt because she her power his power is that he can con read and con people. Her power is that she is, she can make her con come real in your head. Yeah. <laughs> she like hyp- hypnosis sort of, right? She's drawing information out of you and using it to pin you down with. It was kind of horrifying to watch in action. It was <laughs> it was cool and it's cool in the original. But but yeah, so that that the pacing of it, the the key, the sound of that teacup in Get Out and the way 
just a really light, tiny sound got terrifying all throughout that scene, reminding me of how they were paced the same. It was it was wonderful. And also, just any, anytime there's like, I always think snow mm-hmm. in a movie always makes it look good. It was a beautiful shot. It's be- it's a beautifully shot movie in general. I um, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. So like, <laughs> this is a weird one. This well, is a- well, let me so let me set this up, okay? So, uh, I, sadly, this movie failed me in two sentences. It okay. literally just took two sentences for this movie to fail me. Um, and 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 relative to the original, right? So, <laughs> so the what what's happening here is that both movies are showing you the same things at the same times relatively right okay you could do the wizard of oz dark side of the moon thing play them side by side and you'd be getting the same kind of imagery giving you the same kind of emotions horrifying or uplifting or whatever at the same times but the second movie is always telling you what it thinks the first movie meant oh yeah when yep. it was showing it to you and that additional thing is where this movie train wrecks, right? So so watch this. The geek, which is a huge important part of both movies, right? The narrative of them and kind of the meaning of them. The geeks never really explained in the original Nightmare Alley. They explain what the geek is, but they don't explain what it means or what the metaphor is or anything like that. Right. L- leave it to the second movie. They're just going to tell you a million times what it means, right? So the, in the second movie, the geek is like in the cage just muttering over and over and over again, I'm not like this. I'm not like this. Which is really what the meaning of the geek in the first one was, is that it, everyone thinks the geek is some horrifying freak, but it's us. Like, it's just right. us broken down, right? Like, you you, you could end up there, and, and that, spoiler, that's going to happen, right? So... So I'm not like this. Yeah, you are, right? Is we <laughs> is is the point? But it, it says it's said out loud twelve times in the, in the new movie and never said out loud in the other one. What what the what the old movie did was at the end when they offer Tyrone power by the same con, the same patter, the same lines, like oh, you know, just oh, I did think of a job. Just you know, I'm not asking you to take it. You know, if you just need work or whatever. And you slide into the pattern that that ropes you in to become the geek, right? So Tyrone Power's in there. He's like, oh, you have a job. That's great. And he goes, you know, do you know what a geek is? And he looks at him and he goes, mister, I was born for this. And the way he plays it and the way the original movie means it is he just realized he thought he was above everybody else the whole time. I can con people. A sucker's born every minute. I'm not part of the suckers. Uh-huh. When he said, I was born for this, he realized I'm a sucker too. We're all suckers. It just clicked for him. I was born for this because I'm just everybody. I'm just you. You mean we're all born for this. We're all suckers. There is no one that gets to sit above and never be a sucker. That's so much better than just having someone lurk around in a cage 12 times telling you what he means out loud. I'm not like this. I'm not like this. I'm not like I know. Well, also right? the ending of how Bradley Cooper played it off. He just like laughed maniacally for like right. 45 seconds. Right. Right. Because he's doing the broken like Joaquin Phoenix Joker, you know, thing that now has to happen in every movie. But that's just amplifying what the original movie did so much more elegantly, so much more quickly, so much more concisely, right? Without having to tell you the whole time. It just showed it to you, and then you had to figure it out. You know what's interesting about but, that? But that's because Guillermo loved it. He wanted to tell you what his interpretation of the movie is, and I get it. Like, I'm doing it now. I'm telling you what my interpretation <laughs> of his interpretation is, and I'm passionate about it too, right? Like, I get the urge. So I, I don't hold it against him. And take the original movie away. I still think this movie is pretty damn good. It's just, 
every time it matched with the original movie in an important choice or an element or something, it fell short. It was amazing how consistent. I don't. I think I know why it did that. Why? Um, Alex and Jenny described it perfectly last night. (laughs) The movie feels like a kid telling you a story. He's like, and then. And then and that then this pacing, happened, yeah, that this felt happened, true when they said it out loud. That and felt... when you do that, you're kind of just like I don't know, you're you're you're, you're cutting a little bit of your nose off. Right. And I don't like. I recommend everybody who who wants to experience like a unique world shot really well with an interesting story and unbelievable performances. We haven't even talked about the world's greatest assembled cast yet. Right. That was crazy. All these performances are, are, are amazing. Even Bradley Cooper, which is hard to do because Tyrone power, like that was his greatest performance and he's one of ours. And apparently they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio for that role. That makes sense. (laughs) How do you think that would have went? Um, probably just as good, right? I mean, they're both really probably good just as good for what it was, and probably with the same you know mistakes. Maybe I don't know if an actor can save the yeah the well, mistakes in the recipe. <laughs> if, if if one actor could save the mistakes when you have Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Willem Dafoe, come on, and I forget the name of the old guy and all, David Strathairn, like all all these people are amazing. I mean, it, um, Richard Jenkins, the you know from Six Feet Under fame, like just. And and shape shape of water. He's in. I mean, he works with a lot of the same people, and they're always amazing. I like That's seeing him thing. back in the movie uh, after he was in Shape of Water. But also, mm-hmm. I and I, I said this last night. I I always like it when you can like actors who have acted together in other movies are in the same movie. So like Kate Blanchett and Rudy Mara from Carol were in that yeah. one. Uh, what you say his name is Richard the, Richard Jenkins. And then the woman, the old woman who kills herself and her husband. They were the husband Mary and father. Yeah. yeah, they were husband and wife and stepbrothers. Right. <laughs> Every time I see that, I can't. I can only think of that. And you know what's funny is I I'm gonna keep saying positive things about this movie that I hate. Right. So like also, the most of the time the movie's trying to to one up the original movie. I don't mean it in a bad way. Just like he trying to express to you like what was great in the first movie. Um, it would fall down except for one time. There was a one great addition that the old movie couldn't have possibly done that was living in the heart of the old movie that you could feel it wanted to show you, but it wasn't allowed. And it's when they, when they, when Mary Steenburgen and her husband, when they, the murder suicide. Yeah. Like that's, that vibe is in the original, but they could have never filmed that <laughs> no. then. But it's it's true to the to the message of the first one because the first one's just floating along, giving you that relaxing feeling, giving you that close your eyes, listen to the rain, and then someone dies. <laughs> like right. like you open your eyes and they're obliterated instantly, or their life or their hopes are crushed, or just like in a stroke. Right? That's it. It moves like a cobra. The first movie and and this one in that moment did that, and it was true to the first movie. It was awesome. And if all those moves had been like that i would have been so excited but most of the moves were like i'm not like this or what was the thing that was bugging jenny and alex the the one line with a oh life uh, life, or, life happened life, to me like yeah what happened to you life happened to you i mean it was straight out of corella i, I think it was in corella i think that's a line steal from corella i mean come on yeah i don't know it, this they're which, by the way, Cruella did better. <laughs> Cruella was a great movie. In that, I, I like Cruella. In that quite moment, a bit. it did better than what this that was happening here. Uh, in fact, they're making a sequel to Cruella. I think. <laughs> well, they're also they're not making. A they're sequel also, to this. Uh, you know, what else they're making a sequel. Not to go too far off path, but <laughs> Scream. It's official. Yeah, Scream Six. Just, they I, they were like, amazing. you know what? Let's just let's keep just, milking it. <laughs> if it ain't broke, let's just because everyone loved Halloween Kills so much. Let's just go down that path. Oh my God, and we still have right? to see Halloween because this is exactly the pattern. 2018 Halloween came out. The fans, you know, made a ton of money. 
I, whatever the fan reaction was, it just made a bunch of money. And Blumhouse was like, let's, you know, instantly this, the whole triple, you know, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, there were a few scenes that I thought were really well done. No matter, okay. no matter how you slice it. Okay. I love, and this is one of the scenes that grew on me as last night I was like feeding the cats and I just kept thinking about the scene over and over again. But I loved when Bradley Cooper, uh, was having steak and eggs with Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. and he was telling them how to get a geek on the hook. Yep. I thought that scene was just genius. That was an incredible scene. And Willem Dafoe in this movie. That was an incredible ugh. scene. And you know what's funny is that that scene is the a mirror image of a scene that's missing in the... In, so there are twin scenes missing each other. So there's two, there's a famous moment in the original scene where it's basically just talking. It's like talking for straight three minutes. It's like telling a story. Right. It's like Ethan Hawke and Denzel sitting across from each other in the table on training day. It's like just, they're just meeting each other and tell, tell me a story. Tell me something about you. You know what I mean? And you get this lengthy story and that's what happened here. But in the, in the original movie, there, the, it's when Tyrone Power reruns his patter on a bunch of drunks or he thinks they're drunks around him. And while he thinks he's conning them, he goes into this three-minute pattern. He's, like, dazzling them and hypnotizing them, remembering how great he was, even though it looks like crap and his teeth are broken, his ears, you know. like. But he's just sitting in a pile of crap. But he's, like, sounds amazing, right? And he goes, and then, and then he looks up, and they had stolen everything he had and gone. He, like, while he was while he was hypnotizing them, they robbed him blind and left. Oh, my God. And when he opened his eyes, the, con, the master con had been conned, right? But that, like, pacing of just... The action is all happening while there's just a speech happening. Is just what happened that in this amazing scene in that one, and that's one of the best scenes in Guillermo's movie. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird that like we had such a weird reaction to the movie because mm-hmm. like it's super high rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. The audience reaction yep. loves it. Uh, towards the end of the movie, I was looking at like what the movie subreddit thought about it. Like they love it, absolutely love Critics it. Critics mostly like it. I I. It's it's running into the same financial failure th- narr- a lot, a lot narrative of, yeah. that a lot of these prestige movies are are running into, which is almost impossible to escape unless you have a superhero. In it. I thought of, so. I thought of something interesting when uh, you, you you said you were coming over, and I was like, "What else are we going to talk about?" Because like we sort of know how we feel about the movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth watching. It's not to me. It's not the best Guillermo del Toro movie, right? Um, but I was thinking about when we had Tommy McLaughlin over. Mm-hmm. And he said something, and I think about this all the uh, yeah, not all the time. You probably mentioned this a couple times now to me. But it was when he said he was talking to Wes Craven, mm-hmm. and Wes Craven said that he was jealous of Tommy because Tommy was at that time. You know, he did uh, Jason Lives, but he did like you know, I think I think the the total tally is two hundred sixty thousand TV movies because <laughs> right. he just right. directed every plus movie. one, which is yeah, doing plus, right now plus one. Um, but he said that Wes Craven was jealous of him because he wasn't. Um, hell to just horror right he could stray from the genre yeah so he could do like other other kinds of stuff and, sure. and he and he and he did right um I, I do think it's weird that someone told Wes Craven like you can't do a rom-com <laughs> like well whatever, but and it's funny because you go watch it play out you could watch like something like red eye which everyone now recognizes is pretty damn good with some weirdo like you know twist to it but at the time, was just completely rejected. No one wants no one wants political thrillers from you, Wes. Go back to your horror. Corner. So, but what I was what I was wondering was is we, we we kind of do that with Guillermo del Toro. Okay, like like what we said afterwards. Like uh, Alex was like, you know, there was no creatures. There was no like sure. it wasn't like this big fantastical. Sure. Kind it's like of an M world. Night movie without a twist. Yeah, and so that made me. 
wonder, and this is the discussion was one, is that fair? Right. For us to hold Guillermo del Toro. No, 100% not fair. And so, like, but when he doesn't do it, we're like, we're like, where's the creatures? Where's the monsters? Right. But for me, that argument isn't where I'm at because for me, I think it's 100% he should do it. He should just do it better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, of course, that answer. Right. Right. But I I 100% support, you know, that the movie should exist and that people should try these things. The, the weird thing is I always try to think of when, when I'm watching a movie, what is, wh- wh- if I, if I, if you did like the quick, you know, think of a color, like if you, if you, if you did like took my brain by surprise and like made me answer, what is this movie experience most like what movie would come up in your head? Right. So I'll do it at some point once I'm watching a movie and I feel like I've gotten the vibe of it. I'll be like, all right, like pop quiz. Hot shot. What is it? What, what's the closest movie this movie experience is like? Not what like movie is like, just like your experience of watching it. What's it feel like? And then it kept coming up. Gus Van Sant's psycho. Because I'm like, who is this movie for? Right. This movie is for people who love the original movie so much. They love carnival noirs, which, of which <laughs> there, of which there's four, right? They love a little horror with their noir. They love, a movie that was so dark in, in at its core that it was banned for for decades in in, yeah. in tons of places, and and you have a really niche thing, and then you basically do a shot by shot remake. It, it's not. It, there's changes and different. It's also order, it's like forty minutes longer than the. It's original forty minutes too. longer, but but basically, it's just taking everything that that it thinks was good about the original and giving you those same set pieces, but making them each five minutes longer than they were in the original, right? It's not like there's major changes. It's just like they're, they're I guess it doesn't matter. That, that That's what's happening here. It's just a bigger, more bloated version of what's in the original and doing all the explaining for you instead of, instead of letting you figure it out. That part time. does. That part does suck. While Which you were- is unusual for him because I, he, Shape of the Water. Shape of Water is not like that. It, it like it. Your brain comes to life watching that movie. You have to figure out so many things. Kronos is like that. His work is not like this. Like I don't know why this happened with this movie, but whatever. I also I, I'm in the minority. Thank God. Like uh, at least tons of people are enjoying it. I um uh, I was asking Alex. I wonder how many directors' films after they won an Oscar are like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like what I, I, I kind of want to do some research afterwards, like look at all the best picture winners, picture right. winners and see like what they did next. And if it was like, well, see, but what's so interesting here is see that's in the DNA of this movie. Like nightmare alley is a mythological creature. The original one, like there are so few examples of this. I talked about it in the original podcast where you have a major actor who's that level of breakthrough, like loved and important, like Tom Hanks, you know, at the peak of his career, like kind of name recognition and loved, who decides to make the world's ugliest film written by an author who had the world's blackest heart. (laughs) And that's taking a big chance. And when Tyrone Power did it in the original, it failed. It failed for him. But it succeeded in posterity. Now it's considered his best film. Now it's considered his best performance. But at the time, it failed and made no money, and audiences hated it. Right. So that, but that's a legend in Hollywood. There's only a few stories like that, right? right. There's like, there's like Orson Welles shows up and he's a genius, and then he fucks up for the rest of his life, right? That narrative. I, that's not true, but that's the arc, right? Right. So you have this famous arc, and now you have Guillermo, who's like, every time I try to make make a different kind of movie, I get I get clobbered, you know, like. 
that there's small there's it it's like Tyrone this happened to Tyrone man <laughs> in the movie you love <laughs> this is the TNA of the movie you love it just happened to you and it happened to him but it, <laughs> like, 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 and I've already <laughs> witnessed that with Crimson Peak a little right, bit right, you know right, what I'm saying right. like but that's what this movie was about he like I'm gonna take a movie that's about this but the leopard won't eat my face <laughs> but the leopard ate your face too leopards eat faces <laughs> um so the the character of Carlisle yes. Um, in this movie, they tried to do a handful of things to where you thought he was just scum of the earth, mm-hmm. asshole. Mm-hmm. But I never, or at least our our viewing party, we never really got that. Like we never really viewed him as like complete scum of the earth. In the original, you did, didn't. No, I mean uh, none of us did. Okay, interesting. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's maybe, a, maybe, no, that's a big change. It's just interesting that it played that way. Because like they tried to make him bad that he was killing his father, and he said like I've always hated right. you. But then it at, started. Like, they st- literally start by showing you something bad he did. And then, but then like what Alex says, like we don't know his father. Maybe his father was like the absolute worst. <laughs> right. Right. You know. And then like at because the, it turned out that the very wealthy person that he kills. Is also the worst. Yeah, he, he kind of admits to being like a serial killer. Yeah, a predator. Almost. And so, like, when Carlisle and them, like, pull one over on him and, like, cur- murder him and his, his henchman, who's the dude from Mindhunter, who I absolutely love. <laughs> yeah, he was amazing. When they kill them. Everyone in this movie is amazing. Everyone is. But when they kill them, I didn't feel bad because that guy's clearly, like, harming I, young women. I know. It's, and they were just shooting I at him. I know that. So. Fuck up because that's not how the original or the book is but they kept doing things like carlisle like he, he right. killed his father right. and killed these people but at right. the same because time that it's comes like from the original but it's like in this movie good because right. but this is the line this is so nightmare alley was made and the film was made in 1947 okay and it did the tony soprano move like 50 years before The Sopranos. It's just no one noticed because it <laughs> failed. Right. And it, right, but it's that anti-hero the first time you, I, we all do it, everything. Every movie's made that way now. Like they take, I mean, they're, Captain America is dark. Like everyone's evil now, but, but or has a dark side now or dark origin story or whatever is happening. Here. I mean, look at the trailer for the Batman. It looks like this black thing on your wall that I'm looking at. It's just like, <laughs> it there's no light at all. <laughs> right, it's just dark. That, but it, I don't know. It's, it's, <sighs> the original is is my problem here and it makes me feel bad it makes me wish that i could go backwards in time and be able to watch guillermo's first the night rally second and then maybe read the book well i can do that <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen the original you're totally good i could i could i could be the <laughs> lab rat i wonder what that experience is like um shit even ron perlman and like rooney mara ron everyone... perlman was was amazing although Sorry, nobody cares about the original, so no one's listening to this podcast at this point because I'm sorry. I keep hijacking it to re-talk about the original, which is dumb. No, I love which it. Which is dumb, but the comparison is the reason why this is so perplexing for me because in the original, when that scene is so meaningful, when Molly, who's getting more and more isolated in the in the, in the the tide of Stanton's success, um. Um, finally reaches out to Xena and the old carnival crew and they come visit her. That scene is so touching in the original movie. You feel like as soon as you see them together, like that's their real family. It feels like Frasier. It feels like fucking Frasier. <laughs> when they get back together, there's a se- moment where you're just looking at them sitting at the table and you're like, this is the family unit. This right. is how it should be. And you, you, there's no way you got that feeling in this movie. 
There's no way, I, you, dude. As soon as you said that, I thought I I I saw like the visual of like when uh, Ron Perlman came back and right. Yeah, he like or Bradley Cooper walks in like yep, he sees yep, him like sitting there. It yep. felt like you you knew that they were like I you know I hate this like work family. I hate that, <laughs> right, I hate that right, 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 right. White hot sure. passion. Yes. Um, you could tell like they were trying to morph that into this movie, <laughs> uh-huh. but everyone felt sort of singled out in this carnival. So, so when it got to that scene, it felt like just this ragtag group of people who like, they just happened to work together, but it didn't feel like that warmth of like, here is everyone. We're back. Right. How great is it to see them? Right. She's happy again. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't No, There's no way you would have gotten that vibe because it wasn't there because that no one cares that those characters came back. No one wanted the movie to leave the carnival. Yeah, because the- in, in the in the in Guillermo's version, in the original one, when you leave the carnival, you want to have left the carnival. In this one, you don't want to leave the carnival. You want to spend all your time there because it's the place where the movie looks like nothing else on earth, like amazingness. And I will say the 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 way that they tried to make the carnies like feel like family mm-hmm. was all the weight was on Rooney Mara's shoulders because the only way they tried to convey that is like she would like smile and laugh at someone while they did their right. routine and then walk away. Yeah. So you never got that like no. family nope. kind of thing. That was like the most effort they gave to it, which is like fine. Right. Because the carnival looked great. So it right. was like, I don't need you to do that. This visual is awesome. I love this carnival. But... Right. And in the original, Xena is Tony Collette's character is sort of a predator. But it's not really shown and explicit. It's not nearly as explicit as this one, as this version, right? And w- she has authentic affection for for Carlisle. That you you can tell when the, he gets a bad tarot reading that she's tr- really trying to warn him from going down this path. Like she doesn't want it to to happen, right? Meanwhile, he killed her husband. Yeah, right. And so there's this really complex emotional thing happening in the original. Not here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not in this one. She attacks him. You know, in a in a in a in a scene where she's given a where he's taking a bath or whatever, and then I guess they're a couple, and yeah, then they're she not attacking couple, him. She was, she or whatever, she was, she right? But as I'm saying, it's like in this one, everything is just amped up where it didn't need to be, and then there's an interpretation given to you that I don't know was right for the first one. Yeah. That scene think... where she pulled the cart, the tarot cards for him. No one cares. Like it's the upside down hangman. Right. And he'd like flipped up. Sounds right. Like, and focused I... in on it, but no one cares. Yeah. It didn't have the, you know, I haven't seen the original but from what you described. I could, I could see and feel how they would have played that. Yep. That scene. Yeah. She's, she, see it. She turns it over. And she's like, Oh my God, upside down hangman. She's like, look, I'm going to be real with you. This has been fun, but you got to stop. You gotta stop. It's gonna get way too no more dark, with the spooky shows. Way too fast, right? Right, but you can. It's authentic, and in this one, it's just not. It's just like who? Because but and no. The thing is, it's that's the trouble with handling antiheroes is nobody cares if some bad things happen to them. If you've just decided you don't care, right? If you just decide, that's a very tricky you, line to walk. Do you wonder if that's also the curse of every single person in your movie? being an absolute all-star yeah we were that's an interesting topic i i I was trying to think of examples because the scene we were just talking about that's tony collette giving that thing and we're like but that's we were talking about how hollywood has the tradition of superstar cast failures and there's a few examples of it right 
But I swear to God, the the ones that were popping into my head, at least most recently, were mostly wins, like Knives Out and whatnot. I'm yeah. Like, where where where's the best cast that I've seen assembled recently? And they're mostly good movies. Sometimes they're voice actor assemblies. They're the yeah. ones that pop into my head. But, um, yeah, this is this is probably pound for pound the greatest cast in a movie that was aggravating me that I've ever witnessed. It's interesting. It's interesting. Well. <laughs> I don't really know where to go now. I mean, it's weird. It's, it, this is an interesting <laughs> review because it's like we love it, we hate it, we hate it, we love it. Yep. I just don't know where to where to where to place it, and maybe I shouldn't place it. Maybe <laughs> that's the the, right. the appeal of Nightmare Alley is is trying not to contain it. It's just right. kind of this weird Guillermo del Toro movie <laughs> that's beautiful to look at, has a great cast, great sound design, but yep. aggravating dialogue. Yeah. Not as good as the original. Apparently, I need to watch the original. Yeah, and the yeah, girls got so mad because you were like the ending scene when uh, when he was like, "I was born yeah," but that's I, lo- out of context, I loaded yeah. it up and they were like, "No!" And I was like, "But this is fun." They're like, "It's fun for you." <laughs> no, they they're having the what I think of as the sort of doom reaction to to this movie where it just gets under their skin and they just I love sort of doom. So maybe that's why I was excited to look up. <laughs> they just absolutely hate it, but but it's <laughs> there's some movies you just hate, you know. But this is. Um, yeah, no. the The thing is that the, it is it's a shame that I that any of this was even had to be spoken out loud because movies like this should exist, and movies like this, like you know, can be ama- can be great, especially if they're just like near interpretation. I'm, I mean, <laughs> sitting here as we're recording this, I haven't seen Scream Five yet, but the the it, the description I've gotten of Scream Five is that yeah, right, is just like. A good refresh of the or what the original not as good as the original, but, they, the original but it right. gave it enough umph right. to where it stands on its own legs. Right. That kind, yeah. Which is kind of where I thought the floor was going to be for this movie going into it, and I think maybe yeah. that's just the problem I'm having with it. Is I thought the floor here is so I would, lower. Than, I would be than I thought it was possible. So interested <laughs> to see how we feel about this, like a mm-hmm. year or two from now. Yeah, because we've already. Or at yep. least me personally. Yep. Uh, you, where did you land on Crimson Peak? Did you have the so, same? So hold on, but I just realized something. This is so weird, huh? There is a movie that is ex- exactly analogous to this, but from the ancient times, right? Really? Yeah, exactly. This movie is ex- is going to end up in exactly the same place in movie as history as this. As this, I I I am Ooh. so sure. What is it? I'm out again. I'm so sure of this. Something Wicked This Way Comes is a Ray Bradbury masterpiece that was turned into a really interesting movie starring Jonathan Price way back when he was super young. Gray Sparrow from uh, Game of Thrones. Like, uh, you'd know him the second you saw him. He's been in a billion things. Uh, And probably a bunch of Disney things and all kinds of stuff that I can't (laughs) think of now. But Jonathan Price spelled with a Y, like, like not like Vincent Price. But anyway, so... um, yeah, that's that movie is not well done. <laughs> it really um, has a lot of flaws, but every time it comes on screen, I cannot take my eyes off it because it's set in such a really unique world. It's like it's like kind of the carnival brief carnival moments in Us, uh, Jordan Peele's movie. Where you're just like, God, that's so cool. And then you leave and you're never back. You're like, oh, I want to spend more time there. Yeah. And this movie has so much of that in it. 
Like it, there, I guarantee you, like ten years from now, if I turn it on and there's a big chunk of like carnival segment ahead, yeah. I'll just sit there for twenty damn minutes for a movie that I theoretically don't like. Right? <laughs> that's where that's what this because something we this week comes is the same exact thing for me. It's just it looks so goddamn good, but it's so not put together well <laughs> for some reason. It's been a while since we felt this way about a movie. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of fun because it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, you know not. what I mean? Well, that, and it makes sense because there's not a lot of movies like this, right? Like, there's a reason that movie this movie's only been remade once. Yeah. Any like legendary properties usually been remade a bunch of times by this point, or talked about, or we all know about it, right? Like, we all we all know many how many goddamn times someone's been made, trying to make Don Quixote <laughs> hearing that story. Yeah. Like someone's trying to make Don Quixote Orson Welles other side of the wind for like 50 years. Everyone's like, <laughs> it's going to be finished any day now. Like we all London after midnight. Like we all know these movies, right? But Nightmare Alley just sat there from 1947 till Guillermo showed up. Just blew off the dust. All right, here we go. Right, Nobody else thought that was this was a good idea to take a run at this. So it's it true. makes sense that we would have a weird reaction to a weird effort. But good for good. Literally, I want the last thing I want to say about this movie on this podcast to be good on him for trying it. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, if you liked Nightmare Alley, let us know in a five-star review on iTunes. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of cool. And also, we mentioned it in the last episode, but the the book Horror Hotel yes. is out out out. Last night yeah. we checked it was number 2 in science or um, mystery and young adult uh, some, one of those categories on okay. Amazon, it hit number two, so we were like, hell yeah. I know there were a couple of categories juggling. And the audiobook is out on Audible. Oh, hell yeah. And it's really freaking good. Oh Alex God. and I listened to it when it first released. We were like, right. oh my God, like, we want to hear like right. voice. What, what an experience. Yeah, because they hired like actual like voice actors <laughs> to bring her characters to life. Right. And, like It was just like weirdly, not weirdly, I mean, it was emotional because like, yeah. you know, writing's a very personal thing. Uh-huh. And like hearing, like, because each chapter has like a different um, actor doing another character. Right. It's like we were just hopping around the, the chapters listening to these voice actors bring, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, she was on her laptop with her friend writing a book, yep. and then all of a sudden, yep. there's like people putting like effort behind <laughs> yeah. like making it sound like these people are real, and now they are real. It's got to be an amazing experience, which I've I've never had, but I always like the analogy that I try to use to get that how that must feel is like if I had an imaginary friend. And I went out, like, you know, to the world for my day, like, shop or whatever. And everyone could see and interact with my imaginary friend. <laughs> right. Like, why are you all talking to my imaginary friend all of a sudden? Why can you all see him? How do you see And everyone's that? like, oh, he's awesome. That's great. Like, you know, what's happening? He made the right, right choice. Like, you know about his choices? <laughs> right, exactly. How do you know that? Like, that feeling has got to be so uh, surreal. Yeah. So check out the audiobook. Um I think it's like six hours long, and if you like me and you listen to like your audiobooks like sped up, you can, it's like three hours. You can, What's your fastest you speed again? Two point eight. Any, two, uh, like ideally, I actually hold on. I can I can actually hold on. Let me tell you, I can actually pull up my Audible. I'm actually curious because I don't want to. I don't want to list. You know, you're like stat checking yourself. <laughs> no, two point six is actually way insane. So like one point six. Oh, okay. Right now I'm listening. I was listening to Will Smith's book, and it was one point two. Well, he also started singing. One point two. Yeah, because they, there was a part who was like, "My," he was talking about how they had. A, it doesn't matter. There was a part where they were singing, and because it was so sped up, it sounded so choppy and annoying. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll just listen to this part like the way like they recorded." But anyways, Horror Hotel. <laughs> yes, back to. Is out. The uh, cover is amazing. Get it. It's everywhere. Get it where you get your things. Get it on audiobook for sure. Get it on audiobook. That sounds like a great. I mean, you can get it right. You can you can 
exit this podcast on your phone and get it immediately. and get it get it immediately. I love it. Oh, and the, uh, the paperback's on sale too for like eight ninety nine. Oh shit! So like either it's either, either, boom 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 <laughs> either one. Get all the things. Yeah, if you got the Audible credit, bam! You got check into the horror hotel everywhere. You got ten dollars, bam! You can check in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Until next time, stay scary. Watch a bunch of horror movies. Read a bunch of horror, read horror, a bunch of horror books. books, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.